Welcome to the Business of Health podcast. This is a podcast that highlights issues that could cost group health agents and brokers thousands of dollars. The health insurance industry is constantly changing. And each episode, we're going to give you tools to grow a profitable business and better serve your clients. I'm your host, Mike Martins. Now, let's grow your health business. Well, we have, I think, a great show today for Business of Health. We're discussing technology today, and we're going to kind of focus on technology at the provider side, but we're going to address how that impacts the consumer and impacts the broker and agent all at the same time. Our guest is Stephen Dean, who has built a career in IT. He has been a developer for Hewlett Packard and involved in several technology startups, received his MBA from Duke University before co-founding Kiona Health, where he manages all facets of finance, marketing. He kind of runs the show, but he's very knowledgeable and could likely be classified as a serial technical entrepreneur. So Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mike. Really appreciate you having me on here. It's our pleasure. And we definitely want to get into the weeds today with the mission of your company. But before we go there, give us kind of a short, quick overview of what you guys have built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, are you familiar with CRMs? Customer yes, relationship absolutely. Software? Right. So you can think of uh, Kiona Health as customer relationship software built for healthcare. So healthcare is more complicated than others. So you need not only a single record to keep track of all interactions that you have with members or patients, but because of the complexity of healthcare, you need to solve a whole number of problems that they may need to solve. So that's basically what we do. Stephen, what was kind of the, and I call it the light bulb moment or or the turning point that led Mm -hmm. you as a developer to say, hey, here's an opportunity that we need to get in way steep. I tell people if I knew how dang complicated healthcare was, there is no way in heck I would have come to healthcare. So the light bulb moment, honestly, and I'm slow. I I can be really slow. It took years for it to really come. So uh, co-founder Okar Okar and I were creating what we thought was a niche, small product to help patients get access into healthcare. It was AI built on some nurse triage algorithms that would let patients say, hey, I need help. I need access. We automate some of that and make things easier for the provider. Sell that niche product and go. Sure. Had no intention of building a full-blown CRM. It took, it took well, a lot of pain, a lot of failures, and being pushed, honestly, in that direction. And uh, the light bulb moment, we started the company in 2011. Uh, we did not really pivot to say, hey, we're going to tackle this healthcare CRM until 2015. Okay. What, what did you see as, and there's probably a lot of them, but as maybe the major disconnect in the medical community between technology and the consumer, technology and their operations, is there one or two major points that seem to match every situation? There are, but like I said, it's, it's kind of complicated. So just because healthcare is complicated, your technical systems are divorced, right? They're just totally fragmented. You don't have a single source of data. You have, well, not just the systems that are fragmented, but you have workflows 
that are incredibly complicated. Even the same type of payer or the exact same type of specialist will have totally different workflows for the exact same type of thing that they do. You've got patient safety, you know, being able to understand what the member is saying about their descriptions of their issues, understand the possible acuity and escalating as needed. And you have every single one of these requires a different type of expert system dedicated to solving. So healthcare is, it's like an onion. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it sometimes smells and it makes you cry, but it's got layers. I understand. Oh. I understand it. And I can, well, I can't understand it, but I can certainly see the complexities of working in a multi-specialty facility where every provider is kind of running their own show and doing their own thing and, and trying to bring that together. I mean, the medical community has always been, thank goodness, focused on science and outcomes right. and not really had a lot of concern about patients' ability to obtain information. Uh, get access. And I know from my personal experience, the portal that I use with my primary care physician is the most complex thing I have ever done. It's just insane. And I think a lot of people will try and access that and Mm -hmm. they end up just picking up the phone and being on hold for infinitum so that they can maybe get an answer to a question. So, and it might help if we tell, you know, some of the story, because what you're talking about Really, no one is really to blame. I don't think it's a problem that comes about by what, you know, I call clinical combinatorics. And it is the uh, being forced to go onto the portal with the ways they're designed. That's kind of forced by regulation and other things. Right. I mean, there's another layer I didn't even mention before that just adds to the complicated combinatorics that result that any one member's issues might end up resulting in creating, you know, a labyrinthian complex permutations of possible things where, you know, it could go, right? Right. So our CEO, Okar, grew up in Burma and immigrated to Hawaii. He also is a serial entrepreneur, started a couple of companies and got his master's. And he followed his, the gal who's now his wife to North Carolina. And one day he just got a nosebleed. Now, most of us know that a nosebleed is not a big deal, but he had grown up in hot, humid environments and he didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And so he tried to get hold of his doctor and he couldn't. Even got tried to get hold of the school nurse, couldn't, and called the hospital just to see if he could get through. And it was just a long wait time. So he's just like, you know, forget it. I'm going to the emergency room. Sure. Then $650 later, found out what a trivial thing a nosebleed is. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I mean, he's not stupid. He's like, you know, I know that what this problem is. And clearly there's economic reasons and money to be made in solving this. Sure. So he started building. I met him when he was uh, raising uh, money for uh, this idea, building natural language processing on top of triage algorithms, basically, to help mm-hmm. patients get answers for that little quick app that I told you about earlier. Right? right. And so I was like, man, that's a great idea. You know, in technology, if you want to build a niche product that scales, there's a set formula that you can follow. Take existing solutions, go to a new niche. And scale it. Right. And that formula works, except it doesn't in healthcare. You probably have heard of Google Health Cloud, you know, some of these uh, other solutions that from people who know what they're doing, Microsoft Health Vault, Amazon Care. Oh, yeah. Number of high tech graveyards in healthcare in particular. Right. And we ran into those. So what happened first was we got a bunch of clients 
and things were going well. We actually got funding to build it from a grant from the NIH so that we could uh, conduct full-blown study on the efficacy and the time savings. The results came out great. We went to market, sold a bunch of clients, and then the problem started. The first problem uh, kind of had to do with patients would use our app and then they would stop. And so we start looking at it, is our app not easy? Is, are they not getting value? Turns out, no, not, not, none of that. It's when the nurse isn't getting back to them, but four hours later, and the provider is getting back to them mm-hmm. 24 hours later. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in today's, you know, I mean, they're, they're just going to pick up a call next time. Yeah. You know? So we doubled down and we we're like, okay, we're going to have to help our clients do customer service properly. Let's integrate with their electronic health records and make this really easy for them to get back to clients or get back to members and or patients, right? And doubled down, raised a bunch of friends and family money to do that, right? But then it got worse. Having doubled down and raised uh, friends and family money, we're now committed. Uh, We did get publicized in startup channels, got some good press, but then we started getting some clients leaving us. Wow. Exactly. And at one point, there we are running, let's see, we're running another NIH study for some of the expansions that we had done. We're running pilots with some geriatric content. We're working our tails off to keep the clients. And at one point, we just like, okay, you know what? We need to get some more funding. This problem is bigger. We still didn't realize how big it was. Bigger than we thought. We need some more money and we need to get out of this North Carolina entrepreneur bubble. So we packed up and we moved to New York to grow our network. Okay. Okar, the others, they left their families behind and went to New York. We were pregnant with our second child. And to save money, I stayed in New Jersey. I took an hour-long train ride every day into the city there and back, right? And besides networking with funders, I mean, we revisit our solutions. We're looking into things like robotic process automation, workflows, challenges. I mean, talking with a bunch of healthcare experts at the time, right? So New York was fantastic for networking. We seemed to be getting traction, but it wasn't converting. And after about five months after having met, it seemed like everyone in the country we decided to close shop and hang it up. And right as we decided, we're trying to figure out how to close up with our customers when it really, you know, what kept us going, it was our clients. So we had one client said, you know, I love what you're doing. Your interfaces are great. And this AI automation is cool. But instead of just helping us with this member facing stuff, can you just help us with every single phone call we take? Okay. And another client had providers fighting over their scheduling staff. You know, the providers were convinced that they weren't getting their fair portion of appointments scheduled. One would actually take their schedules out to lunch, bring them coffee in the morning. You know, I mean, he's trying to get preferential treatment, right? (laughs) Sure, of course. (laughs) You know, so we built a solution that would guarantee equitable scheduling. So at the end, what happened was this, you know, we ended up, you know, taking a lot of humble pills and really learning from our clients, taking their expertise and having to build them into our software. And between we went back to friends and family money and our clients were paying us to uh, build some of these solutions. And so we ended up pivoting to a full blown healthcare CRM and it ended up getting a larger investment to do that. So that's why I said, you know, we ended up tackling, we ended up finding each of these problems and tackling them 
you know, kind of one at a time until it wasn't until that light bulb went off where they said, take over everything. We need something to answer all of our questions. They're like, you know what? Healthcare CRM, it doesn't exist right now. We need to just do that. Right. There's a lot of merger and acquisition activity going on in healthcare. It's going on in a lot of industries across the country. It, uh, we see it uh, particularly on the broker agent side also. But what pressure has that activity in the professional community? How has that impacted the desire to have a higher level of technology capability as a medical provider? Or does that does that really play into the equation? It does. Yeah. And it plays in a couple different ways. One is with the mergers, you tend to get a move towards more business oversight to mm-hmm. some of these things. So your traditional providers would tend to try to manage and keep control of all of their scheduling their relationships with their patients and not worry, like you said before, about efficiency, about what the patient's doing when they're outside the office. But the mergers are bringing, you know, business oversight, honestly, into that. And people who are saying, hey, we need to care about the long term uh, relationship with the patient and the efficiency with which they get access. So it's, it's really helping. Well, and, and going back to that long-term relationship with the patient, there has to be measurable patient satisfaction out of having the capability to utilize this type of technology to get access and to get answers. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have seen in my industry, too. I think back to not long ago in the group insurance benefit arena, you would go out and sit one-on-one with employees. You bring in this army of individuals that were versed in the product that the employer was offering. You'd sit one-on-one, you'd have these conversations. You were able to kind of start at least start a relationship with that employee and find out what was important to them. That started become unmanageable. And then of course, COVID knocked that completely off the plate. So technology has taken a huge leap on our side. Now, initially employees weren't overly excited about going to an enrollment site. They still wanted that one-on-one scenario. Well, with artificial intelligence and avatars and all the things that are now available, the chat box, a lot of that has come back. And we've seen a dramatic increase in employee satisfaction going back to their HR department saying, I got my questions answered. I know what I want to do. And I appreciate you guys putting this putting this out there for us. Our biggest challenge still, Stephen, is to just get them to engage. And that's one of those things that I think is always going to be a challenge. But so here's what we found. And I think you might find this, too, for yourself, is that they like having the control. It's just when they have questions, not having that answered. Right. There's that part of the online that they prefer. What makes it more likely for them to engage is then the staffing issues that we're running into now pretty much across in every industry. They want to engage, so they have a question, so they pick up the phone or they try to get a, ta- a chat, but there's no staff there. Answer it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So which pushes them back online to the automated solution, right? And that's what we're seeing. So what we have with our clients is 25 to 40 percent of all their schedules being scheduled online. Okay. So, which is pretty high, but you know, you're you're also looking at an industry that is facing pretty much unprecedented levels of some uh, pain points that they've not had before. People call in, and the abandonment rate is just ridiculously high. Of course, you know, the training to get the staff, and then the staff doesn't stay on for very long, ends up being a really expensive proposition for them. 
So uh, you've got really, and then of course, COVID, right? No one wants to come in to have the conversation. You know, you had 24-7 news for two years, scaring them with that prospect. So they just want to uh, talk to you from wherever they are. So you've got a convergence of a bunch of factors that really are putting a lot of pressure to develop AI solutions. Well, and, and going back to COVID for a second, the, you know, telemedicine, telemedicine is something that has been out there forever. We have had it and a lot of our brokers and agents have had that baked into their platform utilization. Well, it was really non-existent, Stephen. I mean, yeah. you would see one or two percent of people prior to COVID that would pick up the phone and utilize telemedicine. The interesting part of those statistics is if they used it once, they were highly, highly likely to use it again. So once they learned the process, it was like, hey, this is really cool. I don't have to go in and sit in a waiting room with a bunch of individuals that have cooties that I don't have to find out if this rash on my hand needs to be treated or if it'll go away. Well, the telemedical community really stepped up to the plate because Prior to COVID, a lot of that was telephonic. Mm. And now all of these platforms have video capability. So if I've got a rash on my hand, I can show it to the nurse practitioner or the individual I'm talking to on the telemed side and they can see it. And that COVID forced a behavioral change that continues now. And, and I, I think that it's it's fantastic. Those are the types of things that I would have to believe helps your platform from the standpoint of people going to the app, uh, getting into the app, finding the information that they need, because for a lot of them, it's, it's already learned behavior. Is that applicable? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, 100%. So you have, and it's not just the patients, right? So because of the complexities of healthcare, for the patients to get that kind of smooth experience, you honestly have to make things smooth on the other side too. Sure. Um, so there is your your systems still have to be talking well together. You still have to get your documentation back into the patient chart. You still have to hit all of the HIPAA guidelines, you know, that type of thing, right? So, you know, it's it's a uh, combination of once patients try it and they start to get familiarity, they're like, well, I mean, the old days of in order to have a 10 minute visit with the doctor, I have to take a whole half day or maybe yes. a whole day yes. off of work is just like, who has time for that anymore? Exactly. Um, and the dynamics within the industry are changing from I need to trust my doctor to make the decision to I don't trust anyone to make the decision. I need to make the decision. Yes. He has to control me, right? So, you know, that's that's kind of where people are going. I think across most other, almost all industries, but especially healthcare, which is in, in very interesting. Well, and, and I agree with you completely. I mean, we are uh, we are now an instant gratification society. If I have a question, I want an answer, and yeah. I, I don't. I'm not excited about being on hold anywhere for a half hour. I want I want someone to be able to provide me the solution to my problem right now. And that creates challenges across every every industry. And you said it earlier, the old capability of having someone there to answer the phone and provide a solution instead of, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I've got to talk to my supervisor. And that famous phrase, I'm going to put you on a short hold. <laughs> We've all dealt with that. And I think everybody's over it. Well, and in healthcare, what you have also is not just I'm going to put you on a short hold. I'm going to transfer you. 
Oh, yes. The whole story that you just told them. You have to start over. With that transfer. Yeah. yeah. We start from the beginning. We have to start from the beginning. Where do you guys, where, where do you see yourself down the road? Let's say, and I know long-term planning for a lot of companies is now a six-month window, but where do you see your, yourself down the road in a couple of years? Um, well, we're mostly just continuing to do what we do. I mean, we've, we've hit our stride after COVID was tough. But after COVID, we're growing like crazy, as you kind of uh, intimated. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, the needs, the convergence of needs is, has been phenomenal. The things that we're building out are, you know, some things for, for payers. You know, you're, you're taking uh, calls and you need to help your members schedule with different providers. Let's help them schedule with a whole bunch of different providers, all the ones that contract with you at once, right? Which means you got to integrate with all of those guys so that you can facilitate that real-time stuff. We've launched a pilot with Molina Health to uh, help them get patients to the right preventative visits and that type of thing where they can do it themselves and they don't have to sit on hold with yes. Or we just saw a case the other day where, you know, their one of their agents is trying to help one of their members schedule and the agent was on the phone for 45 minutes. Like, you know, the payers don't want to have to pay that kind of money, right? No. And then going a little bit deeper into surgery scheduling, which is the most complicated type of scheduling. We do some of that, but we need to deepen our expertise there. I was just going to say, at the end of the day, all of this is positive at the patient experience level. And that makes everybody's life easier. From our side of the equation, if an employee is happy with their encounter with their, their medical provider, could be a lab, could be an outpatient facility, could be a physician's office. That makes our life easier because HR is now not getting the negative feedback from the employee, which a lot of times indirectly blows back on, well, you know, th this this health plan we have is not very good. Well, it doesn't have anything to do with the health plan, but that's the perception. So, well, Stephen, we need to start wrapping up. How do we get a hold of you? Tell me, give us your website and uh, your email. Absolutely. So, yeah, kionahealth.com. So for healthcare, AI-based CRM that helps keep a single source of record for all member contact. And it's you can find a whole host of information and it's honestly easy to be overwhelmed. For uh, you could reach out to us. There are buttons to reach out to us and you can reach me at Stephen with a spelled with a P-H, S-T-E-P-H-E-N at kionahealth.com. That is spelled K-E-O-N-A. Ah, uh, that's what I would <laughs> Perfect. Well, I really, really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for your insight and your information. I'd love to have you back down the road and, and just to kind of talk about some of the updates and, and the things that, uh, that you guys are working on and developing. Absolutely, Mike. That would be my pleasure. I appreciate it. You have a great day. You too. Well, the only bad news today is that we're at the end of the show. So thanks for listening to the Business of Health podcast. Listening to this show puts your agency in position for success. Remember to click the link below. Check out my website at www.firststaffbenefits.com. Give me a shout. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep taking action. Until next time, this is Mike Martins signing off.